What's up, y'all? Welcome to the What is Truth podcast. I am your host, Wheezy. Hope everyone had a rather exquisite new year. I am joined today by the one and only Mr. William Ramsey. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, as I told you before we came on, I believe I heard you a few years back, definitely, but I think it was on the Ed Opperman show. And um, yeah, your your knowledge on a vast array of topics is is awesome. And it's I want to give a shout out to Missy. She's the one that helped set this up. So thank you so much, Missy, for that. Uh, but I was going through your recent catalog and I thought we could hit some Sirhan Sirhan subject matter. And um, but before we get into the show for those that may not be familiar with your work if you could give a little background yeah i published my first book in 2010 that was prophet of evil and i'm on my fifth book now like kind of major book i did a smaller book called alistair crowley a visual study but my most recent book is about the smiley face killers that was published in, in september of 2023 and um i have a podcast in the top 0.5 percent of podcasts in the world I guess that's like the top 15,000 or something like that. I cover a lot of different subjects, cover true crime. And I've been working on, I also have a side, kind of a side project on a new streaming station called Free World FM. And that program is called the D-Hypno Program. So it's not a hypno program, it's D-Hypno Program. And I've been covering a lot of this kind of behavior, behavioral psychology, MK Ultra. And some of these program to kill type events, which I've covered. Then I, like you said, I did this three part series. It wasn't written by me. I thought it, I read it because it was great. It was written by Jim Garrison Keeler. It's an open source kind of reference from the perspective of Sirhan Sirhan. So not kind of just dealing with Robert F. Kennedy Sr., but actually who was Sirhan Sirhan. So it's, I think it's really interesting. There's a lot of information and, and stuff in there that I hadn't seen before or from that perspective. So that was kind of, I think, what caught your eye was this, what's known as the Sirhan, Sirhan timeline. And people can download that, too. They can just go to William Ramsey Investigates into my Sirhan thing. And that link to the document is there. Yeah, I did catch catch that. And it was an interesting perspective. And I don't know when, when was that written? Do you know? Recently, I think the most recent version okay. that I have right here in front of me is December 1st. 2023 i think it was compiled over a certain time but yeah 20 it just was just done last month yeah the most recent version 50 pages too yeah nice yeah i mean there was i i've followed the rfk assassination probably a little bit more than the average person but i am by no way declaring myself a scholar in it i mean there's so much to it uh and there was a few things in, in listening to that three-part series that you did that I I had no idea and, and no clue about. And some of the stuff is related to what's going on right now in, in the world. I mean, you have a, at the time, a young Palestinian refugee that uh, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a fan of Zionism. And so in many ways, it, it can relate. So... That's one of the reasons why I wanted to cover it. And uh, like I said, it's uh, 
for for me it's one of these subjects that doesn't have doesn't get the attention that i think it deserves uh everyone talks about jfk the jfk assassination the zap ruder film but in many ways in my opinion i think the rfk assassination is a more clear-cut case of conspiracy and for the simple fact that the for, for the forensics you have the official narrative saying that sirhan sirhan this tiny little guy in front of rfk killed him shot you know shooting him killing him and the autopsy shows that the gunshots that killed him were all from behind so there's it's irrefutable and the fact that the mainstream you know just glosses over that doesn't it never mentions that that's never brought up uh, is is really fascinating to me yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's similar. You mentioned JFK. I think it's similar because the there was kind of a preset narrative that was sent out to all the media, and that was kind of the story forever for a long period of time. Time until kind of more people researched it, but I think it should be seen in the context of JFK, MLK, the RFK murder, um, particularly Malcolm X, Fred Hampton, all that, all those shenanigans going on in that turbulent decade of the '60s. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really crazy. So, it was a super violent decade. And all and the, the thing is, is that what was led on to the public is these are all kind of lone nuts uh, motivated. And in fact, it's all the opposite, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I just finished. So I, I tried my hand at my first audiobook, and it was a piece written by the late great David McGowan on the Abraham Lincoln assassination. I don't know if you've read that piece that he wrote, but very much I'm very smoked. Yeah. Yeah. It's man. It, I never thought I'd be enthralled by, by the whole aspect. I mean, we hear about the assassination. It's admitted a conspiracy happened, but what's not admitted is the conspiracy went far deeper. And David McGowan in, just the excellent way that that he breaks things down, pointing out stuff that maybe we all can read and digest. And, and as I went back and, and listened to the official story of the Abraham Lincoln assassination, the same stuff that he was bringing up, he's pointing out, look how ridiculous this is. We're being fed this and no one questions it. No one takes. And I think sometimes people just like, you just read things and you just take it as gospel and that's it. But you never, you never bother to question it. And in, in that assassination, we, we get so many similarities, I, I, you know, in reading David McGowan's version of it, like connections to, um, or similarities to Epstein to nine 11. Uh, for example, the nine 11 uh, similarity would be, we had these Muslim extremists that hated America so much that they did this elaborate conspiracy <laughs> to bring down the towers. And in the Lincoln assassination, we had John Wilkes Booth, a talented young man. And I have to emphasize that because McGowan just points that out. You know, you have some historians saying this was a, a man that 
lived a life of failure and 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 blah blah blah. He was only 27, I believe, at the time. So th that's complete horseshit. And we have this narrative that John Wilkes Booth hated Abraham Lincoln so much, and that's why he did what he did. And, and you know, going back to what you were pointing out, it's always this lone person that just has so much hate in them that they go out and do these things. And we see these with these mass shootings, false flags as well. And Abraham Lincoln, John Wilkes Booth had a manifesto. All these other guys have manifestos. They always have manifestos. You see the same patterns getting repeated over and over again. Um, I would like to ask you, if, if you don't mind, um, maybe give a small little brief timeline of, of the Sirhan Sirhan and, and the events too, for those people that may be uninitiated, because like I said, it's a, the RFK assassination is, is one that doesn't get coverage at all, really. I mean, you really have to dig for information regarding it. So for those that maybe not be well, you know, so well versed in it, if we can kind of catch them up to speed, if you will. Right. It took place June 5th, 1968. Right. So I think it was after MLK was murdered, but uh, that was, it happened in Los Angeles. It was the, at the ambassador hotel, which is no longer extant. It was torn down and turned into a high school. But the story, the, the typical story is that RFK had won the nomination to be the democratic contender for president. And Johnson had declared, I am not, he wasn't running for president. So RFK was poised to possibly win, uh, you know, depending upon who the Republican challenger was. And so he accepted the nomination, I think at the ambassador, and left to go through a pantry to uh, go home. It was late at night. I think it was after midnight. So he leaves through this pantry. He makes a speech, leaves, and Sirhan Sirhan this, like you said, a Palestinian who kind of went through 48. I mean, I think his family had a very rough time and they emigrated to the United States, but he was supposedly in that pantry in front of Bobby Kennedy and supposedly shot and killed RFK. And that's what the cover story is. But then kind of more and more information came out. And a lot of the, the information was tightly controlled about this case so it, that cover story was maintained much like the jfk killing it came out later there was kind of the famous medical examiner here uh in los angeles los angeles his name was naguchi he was kind of uh japanese american but he seemed to not be connected to kind of the american system so to speak he was very independent is probably a good way to put it and he said that the death shot for RFK came from behind about an inch or two away from, I believe it was his, behind his right ear. And all observers say that Sirhan Sirhan wasn't close enough. Like he was close, maybe three feet was as close he got to Robert F. Kennedy. And it was hectic in that pantry and there was clearly a cover up. There were like 13 bullet holes that were all covered up and taken down. And I believe Sirhan had a seven shooter, seven shot, uh, gun at that time but what's interesting about Sirhan is he's played off as this kind of disgruntled in this part of the narrative is that he's a disgruntled Palestinian who doesn't like Bobby Kennedy's Israeli policy and that's the motivation for the shooting I really like the JFK assassination it changes history 
What's interesting about Sirhan and the story kind of falls kind of apart is he doesn't remember anything. And he has a very kind of strange two years leading up to June 4th, 1968. And I think that that's why this, this particular Sirhan Sirhan timeline is interesting because it shows kind of a personality change and this kind of change from somebody who didn't have that kind of like anger towards Bob Robert Kennedy. And then that supposedly occurred. And that's kind of like what happened. And there have been books. I've interviewed people who've written books and have acknowledged Sirhan's kind of strange background. There's a lie too big to fail by Lisa Peace is a book you could read or listen to the interview I did with her on William Ramsey investigates. And the other is Tim Tate who wrote a book about the strange, you know, happenings around RFK. But RFK was really kind of a dangerous figure, I think, to the establishment for a lot of reasons. Because he was the attorney general under his brother, that he was trying to get back into power, that he called himself a revolutionary. And he was associated with a lot of people, I think, the, the right at that time considered dangerous. So uh, when you kind of keep researching, Sirhan Sirhan, you, you, like you said, he was not a big guy. He was a jockey, right? So that was kind of what the career that he wanted was to be a horse racer. He was a successful kind of horse trainer, but he never quite made it to the jockey position. But he was in kind of East LA, East of downtown LA in that area, Santa Anita Racetrack in Norco, like horse country of LA down, down in that, that time in the 60s. His family lived in Pasadena and he kind of had this uh, very traumatic childhood. Like he went through these huge Wars were like the not they call it the Nakba, where a lot of the Palestinians were kicked off their land, and uh, that was kind of the trouble. He had a large family, I think, a nine children or something like that, and he remembered bombings and terrorism. And he his family lived in a convent, like they had like a hundred people with one bathroom or something like that. So he had a very traumatic childhood, and he was young too, like you say, John Wilkes Booth's twenty seven, when the so called shooting happens. Sirhan Sirhan, I think, is 24, just like uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, as a matter of fact, was 24 and 63. So you see these overlapping similarities when you look at these kind of assassinations together. There's like, oh, these are very strange, like young guys who may not have had the cover stories. They had fully formed political opinions. But when you see them in real life, they're, they're not as uh, ideologically bent as, as they seem to be. So I think that's the benefit of the timeline. The Surian Surian timeline, timeline goes, uh, talks about kind of the MK Ultra, you know, programmed assassin programs, uh, Artichoke, MK Search. But one of the interesting things also about Surhan Surhan, well, and this is a credit to Jim Garrison Keeler's research, is his involvement with Amork, which is the ancient mystical order of the Rosé Crucius in California whose headquarters were in San Jose, but he was interested in occultism, like a very strange kind of uh, curious, maybe not so much for that time in LA, but that's an aspect of his life that is often overlooked. And he is still in jail. Sirhan Sirhan is still in jail. Actually, one of his good friends in jail, which is an interesting kind of side fact, was uh, White, who committed the Moscone uh, killings in San Francisco, the Twinkie defense. His name was Dan White. And he shot a gay activist and a mayor of San Francisco. So he was friends with Sirhan Sirhan in jail. But anyway, Sirhan Sirhan, he's, I think he's undergone maybe, you know, 10 parole hearings. And he, even in his most recent parole hearing, he can't remember what happened. So why? how did this guy become that way? 
Was he radicalized or handled? And I think the, the Sirhan Sirhan timeline shows that he had a lot of interesting friends and he was doing, he was seemed to be stalking Robert F. Kennedy. He was showing up where Robert F. Kennedy seemed like Robert F. Kennedy was the, at the ambassador hotel was like a central spot. And then he would fly out. He would go to Long Beach or Central Valley and go visit Cesar Chavez and give speeches and then come back. But then people say like, what's Sirhan Sirhan during, uh, doing up in the Central Valley with Robert Kennedy? And it actually overlaps with this other, which is the John Lennon case in 1980, where Mark David Chapman is doing the same thing. He keeps flying out to New York City and then goes back to Hawaii with on some kind of mystery. Like, how does Sirhan Sirhan do this? How does he have his money? There's a lot of real questions about what he was doing. And I think it goes into and back into this programming. I've done another show on a on a mind controller who was around in L was centered in LA. Actually, he was on his office was on Sunset, and his name was William Joseph Bryan. And he died young. But there the rumor was is that he was the kind of mind control. He was a very intelligent guy. He had like triple doctorates. He had a doctorate in medicine, law, and like history or psychology or something like that. Like a really brilliant guy, like kind of a mad scientist actually, who had connections to the Boston Strangler, F. Lee Bailey, Melvin Belli, who's a known attorney out here, and strangely may have had connections with David Ferry. So people who know uh, the JFK assassination. David Ferry was a central kind of player in New Orleans who knew um, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald since he was 15. So these, these weird mind controller connections that go through are in American history, particularly this, this RFK case in Sirhan Sirhan. Like he had been, I mean, there are other people who went in to check on Sirhan Sirhan. There were other behavioral modification psychologists. Some people said that he was easily hypnotizable. And it goes into, the Sirhan Sirhan case goes into hypnotism, the history of hypnotism, and when it started. It really goes back to the late 19th century. It's not some people may think, oh, the CIA came up with it in 1953 or something like that. That's not the case. There were other people. This, the Sirhan Sirhan case talks about Esther Brooks. Esther Brooks was a, a known CIA handler. And what they could do to, to certain people to hypnotize them with post-hypnotic suggestion, where they actually will be hypnotized, told to do something, and then be like come out of the hypnotic trance and then do compelled to do stuff. And so what happened with uh, with Sirhan Sirhan, and I think the timeline shows this, is that he was going to shooting ranges and shooting his gun often for some reason, which was way out of character for this guy. There was no kind of no like early weapons, love of weapons or anything like that. But leading up to the assassination, he was going out shooting stuff. And when they, when the whole event happened in the uh, pantry at the Ambassador Hotel, they say he went into some kind of weird shooting uh, stance and may not have, may have been shooting blanks. I think maybe it was Lisa Peace who suggested he, he didn't have bullets in his in his gun, but he just went into some post hypnotic suggestion of like start firing so uh that may be of what that seems to be what happened and he was a good patsy and uh the it seems like the lapd kind of was actively involved in shaping this story of sirhan sirhan being the only shooter so they got rid of evidence that it contradicted that 
or anything like that. But he was also seen with kind of infamously this woman with the polka dot dress who after the shooting kind of somebody saw her run outside and say, we got him, we got him, we got him. But it is just a weird story. And it overlaps with a lot of the assassinations from 1980 back to 1963 in the United States where they have this lone nut. But these lone nuts have some kind of behavioral psychologist, CIA psychiatrist or something around them. It's so strange. And the same thing happened with uh, the shooter of Lee Harvey Oswald is, is Jack Ruby or Jacob Rubenstein. Like he had uh, Lewis, Jolie and West go fly out from California to go spend time with her. Maybe it was Oklahoma at that time, but like it, there are so many stories of these CIA handlers being around these assassins that it's a, really a part of American history. that A lot of people don't know about or haven't put together. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those characters that you just named, like Jolly West, also come up in uh, Tom O'Neill's book on chaos, on the Mar uh, the Manson murders. And that was a great book. I, I read that a, a couple of times over and the amount of detail he goes into. Um, and, and it's funny because I think for the longest time, for me personally, the whole idea of mind control was just nonsense. You know, it seemed like magic. I was like, oh, that's bullshit. You can't hypnotize. I, I'd see shows on TV of people being hypnotized, bark like a dog, roof, 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 you know, and I'm like, that's nonsense. You can't do that. The more I've gone down these rabbit holes, though, I definitely have become a believer. And it seems to be that the CIA handlers or whatever, you know, they probably recruit people that are fitting certain traits that are suggestible. You know, maybe these folks are suggestible. And so if, if, if they see those traits in a person, that's probably who they're going to be targeting. Um, as I mentioned, you know, like in the, even in the, recent school shootings like the one uh, what was the one in texas not too long ago uh, I, I don't know I forgot. it's it escapes my mind i know which one you're talking about is it uh, with the little kids uh, yeah yeah um you know i followed that further i can't remember it i even did a couple shows on it but you know the the suspect in that one it just seems like that kid was probably MK Ultra. I mean, he's crashing his car, right? Doesn't really know what he's going, and he's going in there like like a zombie. And it, it's it's really like I said, I've become a believer in that because I, I used to brush it off. Oh, that's that's a bunch of nonsense. Um, it's not believable, but yeah. actually to systematize it and use it to whatever advantage is unbelievable. So it's easy to uh, discount it. It really is like that people would actively be searching and be, they knew kind of, I think in the early part of the 20th century that hypnotized like this for a subject, it's a scale. So some people cannot be hypnotized. You could just start talking to me and I would just talk to you, but some other people, they could start getting you down. There's like a tests and means where a, this, this is specialized knowledge they could determine who's highly hypnotizable, who goes into a trance early. Sirhan Sirhan was like 
tested and he was the high he's like on the highest level of hypnotizability so they're looking for those types of people so once they find them and i think that i mean what's really scary is it still could be done like i don't know you could check out this guy darren brown he's really fascinating but he hypnotizes people and does kind of like mind games and stuff like that um you can watch them on youtube but he actually did something where he had a video game and got a guy on there and hypnotized him and then transformed him into the video game and then transformed him out, put him back on the video game. And he had no idea that it had happened. He thought he was living it in a real event. It's an incredible event, but it shows that certain people are susceptible to it. And they say that one of the indicators is if you're young and you disassociate during trauma. So a lot of these people, and this is real, that if they had a lot of trauma, like Sirhan Sirhan did for years, trauma after trauma after trauma, they have they have an easier way of disassociating to alleviate pain, a pain response. And those are the people they say who have a higher tendency to be hypnotized is that. So they call it trauma-based mind control, right? So they actually inflict that trauma, get you to, to dissociate, and then they can program and do all kinds of strange stuff. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. The school was Ovalde. Ovalde, uh, that's right. Yeah. Thanks again, Missy. <laughs> she, she's always on on point. Yeah, it, it's uh, when when I think about it, sometimes you know, things that I think are unbelievable, like controlling people's minds, or like the example you just gave, where someone has some a real life uh, VR experience for lack of a better term. Um, it, I, I don't know if there's a connection to it, but it it's when you look at some of the ancient technologies, I think there's some overlap. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, with this point, but you know, you see these people in Florida or th there was a gentleman in Florida. I'm sorry. I'm in Florida right now, uh, but there was a gentleman in Florida. I think he died in the seventies or so. But he was building these coral castles and structures, like five tons, six tons, and he didn't have any heavy equipment, uh, none of that stuff. And he he has one where you can spin this five ton, seven ton block, and it just spins like a revolving door with the push of your finger. And... He died never wanting to divulge how he did it, what his technique was, or anything like that. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is there's probably something out there, maybe through sound, vibrations, I don't know, that that we just don't understand. Maybe the CIA has has found it and, and harnessed it, and, and that's where they've gone. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's lost technologies. I think they're like, you can talk about the Anthocara mechanism that was found in Greece in the ocean. Like it's a super high technology, like weather predictor or where you are in the world and like how people did the, the pyramids or things like that. So that technology somehow gets lost in time and space. So I think that hidden technology is also kind of like power. So I think that they coveted this MK Ultra was a huge program and it started in 1953 but it was kind of almost like a um, 
it was like a, a Manhattan project, right? Where they built the nuclear bomb, where it was spread out all to all universities and had all these different doctors and, and psychiatrists and funding different projects. There were 149 sub projects. So they really looked into everything, but they wanted to use it for their nefarious ends. And I think that they did, just like Chaos said, they figured it out. I think they figured out the mechanism to do this. And this is where this is it. Zombie video game trick of the mind. It's really something else. So maybe the listeners can watch this. But you can scroll through. They find this guy and they trick him. It's not him. But if you keep growing up, you'll see this guy here. Uh, yeah, keep going. Keep going. It's right. You can play. I don't know if you can play the audio, but the guy walks up. That guy right there is in the video game. They put him in the they, they hypnotize him and put him in the video game right there. All right, for the audio listeners, they okay, you see him on the screen? Yeah, he's gonna wake hypnotize up the, game, the guy at the arcades. Right. In the pub. Okay. Yeah. They brought Brilliant. him on a stretcher. Yeah. Okay. Just take that. One for you. And put him in a li real life Don't worry about anything. scenario of the the replicating Silence, the video please, game. He's still hypnotized and they're not actors. Now they've waken him up. Uh oh. Can't look bad. Before we get going, I, this is for the audio people because I don't want to leave them out. So this guy that, again, they picked up at an arcade, they hypnotized him. And once he came down, they put him in a stretcher, wheeled him off to this replica of the video game. Um, it's got rooms. It's got actors in there. And apparently while he's still hypnotized, right? That's That seems to be the case, yes. All right, so we're going to resume that. If you want to catch the video, definitely check out my video platform. So if you guys want to see what we're talking about. Yeah, that's that's bananas. If it's real, I, I've got if some questions. Real. I mean, right. was there Me too. consent forms, staged. liability? I mean, I, I would imagine if he was in a good sport about it. I mean, there's a lawsuit uh, at play because, I mean, it, it's technically kidnapping. Yeah, no doubt. So... No. Yeah, I mean, if it is real, that's that would be creepy as hell that yeah, you could crazy. be put out to do things they against could, your yeah. will. Yeah, well, you talk and, about people who are, like, programmed to kill or do strange stuff. Maybe they're online playing video games and somebody's behind it tapping them yeah. into a trance, see if they can get them into a trance. That's one aspect of uh, Sirhan Sirhan that isn't in the Sirhan Sirhan timeline, but it is recorded by other things that he was interested in shortwave radio. And they think that he may have been hypnotized at a distance through a guy by the name of Radio Man. So somebody was getting on, to just talking to him. So maybe something like that, that he was doing something like that, a Radio Man was. Yeah, it's, uh, man. Again, it, it definitely on its surface sounds like something far-fetched, especially... I, I tend to question everything, I and so I I need a a lot of uh, I need to look at a lot of stuff to start to buy into it, and that's why I just asked some questions on on that video. But again, based on the pattern and and what we know about the CIA and, and what they've done and, and spent tons of that black budget on, I mean, this is the stuff that they've been working on. Yeah. Now that's what they wanted I mean, to find out. Yeah. Now, could this video be part of a psyop to kind of, you know, like that 
pressure release valve. Let, let's let the people know a little bit and, and send them into a different direction when in reality we're doing something else. I mean, that's possible as well. But it, I mean, I, I guess going back to the Sirhan Sirhan RFK uh, deal, so much of that story doesn't make sense. I mean, again, you have a, a small guy that was tackled and he was still able to ring out shots. Uh, you, And in that timeline that you covered in that three-part series, there was a couple times where he was injured, right? And Correct. he disappeared. And this yeah. is where one could infer this is probably when a lot of his programming occurred. You know, when he would disappear for right. days they had at one, a time. Yeah, they had one doctor, I think from Yale, said he believed that the whole injury was set up. So it was a set up faked injury to have an excuse to put him in the hospital and work on him. And uh, so I think that that might be the case. But, yeah, he kind of had a mystery. It was, uh, I think, in 66, he supposedly fell off his horse or fell off a horse and had a brain injury. But according, like, it's not that clear because – I think according to hospital records, he wasn't that injured. Like they didn't even suffer a concussion. He had some stitches on his face and that was it. So there's clearly kind of a, a lack of full understanding of exactly what happened. But there is a okay. mysterious time. And some of these other guys have said like some of these other CCI doctors who shared this specialized knowledge said like they just need somebody for a certain amount of time to drug, to torture, and to... Uh, treat to turn them into like crack them and turn them into kind of like program to kill types. So he, sir, him may have been one of those types. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. The whole horse injury. Uh, and I'm sorry if I'm bringing this up again, but uh, during the Abraham Lincoln assassination, it wasn't just the, the only plot wasn't only to kill Abraham Lincoln. According even to the official story, they were supposed to kill Grant um, Seward um and Johnson uh, they were on that hit list and seaward the the seaward story the way Mc, uh, McGowan lays it out is the most hilarious I found myself laughing listening to quote unquote real historians retell the seaward story uh for those that don't know anything about the seaward story uh seaward I think was the secretary He's the vice vice president. Oh, I, that, I thought that was John Seward. I think Seward was the vice president at that time. Okay. So I'm getting them mixed up. But he, apparently he lived in this 30-room mansion. And uh, Mr. Powell, one of the uh, conspirators, the muscle, the Rambo, the, the Civil War Rambo, uh, knocks out one guy. Uh tries to shoot another guy in the house his gun doesn't work so because his gun didn't work he bashed the hell out of his brain you know head till his brains came out uh then slashes the daughter so all this stuff is going on and and everyone in the home is just slow to uh make it so he gets to seaward he makes his way even though he'd never been in the mansion um at all but he apparently knew where seaward was and and seaward was drugged up from recovering from a horse kick injury as well. He had his jaw wired shut and he was drugged up, uh, you know, 
medicated. And so Powell just finished destroying all these other people. But apparently when he gives a drugged up C word, he he can't kill that guy. <laughs> And, and the the official narrative is that oh it's because his jaw was wired shut and and Powell was trying to slash his throat and the wiring it was miraculous. This is how official historians tell the story without laughing. And and, and part of the official story is Seward was wrapped up in sheets as Powell was trying to slash him and he's playing peekaboo in the sheets and they're saying this with a straight face and I'm laughing my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all this Rambo stuff, but he can't kill this guy that's practically a zombie at this point in time. Uh, it, it's truly a, a fascinating story. But it, that story of uh, Sirhan Sirhan um, getting a, a injury by a horse, you know, it kind of made me remember that part of the Abraham Lincoln assassination. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, these stories surrounding all these assassinations are kind of ridiculous, and full yeah. of kind of uh, intrigue and odd stuff. At least the '60s assassinations. Yeah, yeah and I I think it's important to even though I don't trust history, I've got many. I've always been a history nerd, and now that I've gone down these rabbit holes. I still enjoy history, but now I'm revisiting a lot of the stuff that I learned and, and, and questioning it. Wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. This is kind of silly. This sounds like propaganda. Uh, what point is this story coming from? And, and, and what is the agenda? Uh, that's the way I look at history these days. And especially when you have questions about certain events, you start to notice certain patterns that get repeated. And I've often said this, like, why do they keep doing the same things over and over? Well, if it works for the masses, why fix something that ain't broke? You know what I'm saying? So maybe a few of us are going to question it. But unfortunately, like we saw during COVID, the vast majority are going to obey and comply. And so there's no need uh, much for that. Um Going back to the decade of the 60s, so it, some people will say that the Abraham Lincoln assassination was probably the first deep state hit. Um, and others will say that it was the Kennedy assassination. Um, I, I tend to think that this deep state, if you will, has always existed, even from the founding of this country with the Newburgh conspiracy. Uh, and so what are your thoughts? Do you, are you, uh, of the type that the Kennedy assassination is really where, where things kicked off or, or are you along the same Certainly after World War II. Yeah, I would yeah. say so. But I mean, I think it's been a slow progression of, of different things that have happened. The, the, um, Fed, the federal government, you know, the, uh, federal reserve is a problem. The NSA passage of the national security act was a problem. And I think all those things kind of led up to these more or overt uh, assassinations of the 60s and the, the fact that the people who did it got away with it. So. Yeah, I'm only asking because um, I was on my my good friend, Erboye Morich. I told him I was going to have you on today, and he yeah, sent me a picture of you guys. 
hanging out. Not yeah, tonight. just last year. <laughs> yeah, we're hanging out in LA. yeah, he's like, this guy right here? I'm like, yeah, that's it. Uh, but I was on his uh, radio show last night, and he brought that up, like, you know, where where you think this all began. And we seem to come to agreement that it's always been around, but the Kennedy assassination kind of where it almost, it, it was almost in your face. It, it's like, it's always been there in the shadows, but it seemed like, all right, let's just throw it out there. And I guess to continue that thought that I, I was talking about with Eddie last night is when I think about, think about predictive programming that we have in cartoons, uh, in movies. So I think that goes along with that same narrative that it's always gone on. The Kennedy assassination is like, all right, let's take this bitch out. Hollywood style. Let's cast it out. I mean, look at the Zap Ruder film released all those years later on the Geraldo Rivera show through a comedian. Get the hell out of here. I mean, that's preposterous. And now when we look at current TV shows, what was the recent one with the Obamas? Uh, the end of the world or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw that, but they're talking about cyber attacks and right. You're you're seeing it. So not only was the Kennedy stuff that that put it out there that that put the you know everyone on notice that this is what's going on and the gullible will believe the official story, but those that need to know are going to be scared to say anything and they're going to comply. They're going to be blackmailed via epstein and and all these other shenanigans but now i mean it's even more it's almost like <laughs> the gener generation z of of uh of these elites you know they're on tiktok now with predictive programming you know it's a new age elites you know we're not talking about the 1800s elites where things were a little bit more down low now these guys are in social media and everywhere uh what are your thoughts on that well, I think that um, I think they're they're signaling all kinds of stuff. Like I think Obama's thing was it leave the world behind. Like yeah, that's yeah, kind of that's just cool. a weird kind of phrase to name a movie anyway. Like we're yeah. supposed to leave the world behind, or we're going to leave the world behind. Like that's kind of odd. So I think a lot of that stuff's there, and I think twenty twenty four will be very interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, it's the when RFK announced RFK Jr. announces candidacy. I've lost hope in in a lot of these politics. Uh, I don't want to bore my audience because I say it quite a bit. But you know what what turned me into the quote unquote conspiratorial way of leaning was during the Bernie Sanders election. Um, I didn't like everything Bernie Sanders said, but he appeared to come from a sincere place. And so I had hope that things would actually change. Um, and then I didn't believe in conspiracies at this point. And when I saw it so blatantly, when I saw that nomination taken from him, that made me start questioning everything else because I'm like, holy shit, Did this is so blatant. Didn't they punch I, him I in the face to... in L.A. too? Didn't they punch him in the face? Everything. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they pulled all the stops. But I, I was all, I was all pretty much all in on on 
official narratives. I, I, I didn't bother to question. Sure, I had some questions every now and then, but well, it's on TV. I saw it on PBS. I heard it on NPR. It has to be what I'm being told. And that made me start going down pretty much all these other rabbit holes. And, you know, I, I saw the Trump stuff way before, you know, the TDS term came to be a thing. I was like, the, the, if you followed his history, the, this guy is not who he says right. he is. But when RFK came out about, I, I was like, let's hear what this guy has to say. Then I started finding out his flights to flights on Epstein plane a couple of times. I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. You have Clinton flying on the damn plane 28 times. You have Trump on the damn plane seven times, even though he has his own plane of his for himself. He's still flying on the damn plane. You can do all the mental gymnastics, but that's that's the facts that came out in the trial, the, the Maxwell trial. And then you have RFK who flew on it twice. Oh, but it was for, you know, watching some manatees in Idaho. I don't know what ridiculous explanation he gives for being on the plane. But I, I brought this on Eriowa's show last night where the level of trust you have to have in someone to fly on their goddamn plane, you have to stop and think about that. You don't just get in a stranger's car hey do you need a ride i'm gonna get in your car let alone a plane we're talking about a plane and, and if you do it once maybe maybe i'll give you the benefit of the doubt but when it's multiple times that benefit of the doubt at least for me is completely down the wayside um you were real close with this individual super close close enough that you got on his damn plane and that was one of the beginning disappointments that I started having with RFK because before then I saw him on James Corbett's uh, podcast and I thought that was awesome. I was like, wow, he's on Corbett's show. And obviously James doesn't feel the same way anymore as, as he did when he had him first on the show. And, and RFK on, on Corbett's show was talking about how, uh, how he had watched the Corbett report for a long time and he loved all the work James was doing. I was like, wow, this is huge. This guy's running for president. But then you, you start pulling out these skeletons, flying on the plane. Uh, and then now with his unwaveringly support for Israel, it's, it, it, I don't want to say I'm super disappointed. It, I, I guess at this point in the game now, I'm like, yeah, it's just another one. They're all talk. They they all they'll they'll all tell us some things that'll make us feel good. But Obama did the same thing. Trump did the same thing. They tell you things that will make you feel good. They they feed you certain things. But at the end of the day, they're all the same. And I think the Kennedy assassination uh, it, it was the 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 event that made all these guys into puppets. I, I don't know. I, I almost feel like if you become president, you're taken to a back room and here's what's going to happen. You know, we'll, we'll give you a little leeway to say these things and do these things. But there's some things you must toe the line with and you must adhere to or 
check out this Zap Ruder film <laughs> brought to you in 4K. Right, it's a different uh, angle, right? Isn't that the uh, the comedy bit by, I forgot what his name, what's the guy's name who looks like Alex Jones? Uh, Cooper. Or, Cooper, no, not Cooper. Um, the other guy. I can't remember it offhand. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with names. I remember a face, but names... Uh, <laughs> that's one of my... Yeah, they say it's his doppelganger, right? That yeah, his doppelganger. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I it's just not coming off. The top Bill, of Maybe someone in the chat will Bill something. Me. Bill something. Yeah, I, I and so that's been Bill Hicks. It's Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. That's that's one hundred percent. Yeah, that, that's the thing with RFK Jr. is that you he went through the assassinations of his uncle. He went through the assassinations, he, albeit he, you know, obviously a, a tiny little tyke at the time. The assassinations of his father, and he's—I've heard—I heard him on the Mike Tyson podcast talk about how the CIA was involved in both of those assassinations. He went into detail of how he thinks Caesar was the guy that killed his father, and, and so. I hear him. I heard him say these things, and I was like, "Wow, man!" And then he's on Corbett. I'm like, "Man, maybe, maybe there is something here." And then all this other stuff comes out, uh, and, and it makes you wonder: Is he saying these things because he's scared for his life? Maybe oh, he's, he's scared told. for his life. He already had some kind of power outage. At somebody's show last year or late last year, and they don't want to give them security service or security protection. <laughs> I think that's the sign that they want you dead. They don't yeah. want to give you secret security. Secret. What do you feel about his? And this is this is a glimpse that I. This is something that I picked up from you in your third uh, three part series on the Sirhan Sirhan uh, timeline. I didn't realize it. I was completely ignorant to this, but. I didn't realize the Kennedys were pretty much Zionists and they were pro Israel supporters. And that was some of the beef that Sirhan Sirhan had. I didn't realize that until I heard your three part series. So I was completely oblivious. So that kind of makes sense why, you know, everyone's giving RFK Jr. shit. But if you really look back at the history of it, the whole Kennedys were Israeli supporters. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that uh, JFK kind of had some – I mean, I, he didn't want Israel to have the bomb. It's my understanding. So that might have been some element of consternation there. But I think that they were generally pro-Israel. I think that's true. I don't think they're – yeah, they're not anti-Israel. I don't know if they're Zionists. <laughs> <laughs> Blah blah blah. When you win, you go into this smoky room with the twelve industrialists, capitalist scum fucks who got you in there, and you're in this smoky room, and this little uh, uh, film uh, screen comes down. That big guy in a cigar roll the film, and it's a shot of a Kennedy assassination from an angle you've never seen before. It <laughs> looks suspiciously off uh, the grassy knoll. And then the film, the screen goes up and the lights come up and you go, the new president. 
Any questions? <laughs> uh, just what my agenda is. First, we bomb Baghdad. You got it. You know what? Here's my actual truth. I've had a vision. And what it is, is even though this is a world where good men are murdered in their prime and mediocre hacks thrive and proliferate, I've got to share this with you because I love you. And you feel that. You know all that money we spend on nuclear weapons and defense every year, trillions of dollars, correct? Trillions. Instead, if we spent that money feeding and clothing the poor of the world, which it would pay for many times over, not one human being excluded, not one. We could, as one race, explore outer space together in peace forever. Damn straight. Yeah, that, that's a great, great piece. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a great bit, yeah. Alex Jones has come back. Yeah, he, I mean, what what do you? And I know we we've only got a few more minutes, but um, and we just started twenty twenty four. I I don't see twenty twenty four, unfortunately, being a good year. I I think a false flag is brewing. I think something big is is happening. Uh, a couple of the false flags that I've kicked around in my head, as I muse and 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 just think about things. I, I think it's, I mean, we're seeing caravans of immigrants at the border, open borders, and that's firing up right-wingers. We need to close shit down. Biden is letting everyone in. I'm looking at it. It's being done on purpose. And it's entirely possible that a false flag featuring an illegal immigrant with mass casualties will occur and so all the open borders people will be like shit maybe we need to close the border down and and that's gonna get them on the side and government is gonna step in and say you know what we have the solution so this something like this will never happen again biometric ids and that's one that I've been musing about, and I can see that happening. It's just so blatant with what's going on. Uh, the other thing is Project Bluebeam. Uh, I, I I still don't know what to make of the quote-unquote aliens in Miami. Uh, you're getting reports it was fireworks and kids fighting, but a whole slew of, of cop cars. I don't believe in aliens in that in that way that they've come and and down but i do think project bluebeam is is very legitimate where you're setting up the stage i mean you have people talking about uf ufos openly on cnn and msnbc once they start talking about it i'm out i don't believe in this crap anymore and so any any thoughts on that or or do you have it well, i think that's other... the ufo is a ufo agenda i mean it's deception yeah. by disclosure i have had guests at the collins Balt brothers on my show and I think that Grush is uh, an asset. And even Tucker Carlson put him on his show. So I think that that's what they're doing. That's going to be one of their, one of the kind of social control uh, tools that they're going to use now is this fake kind of disclosure with no evidence, obviously, you know, they're never going to tell the public anything. 
and probably just bolster it on the mass media. Oh, there's aliens in Miami. Foot aliens. Keep people distracted from the fact that the government's about to literally capsize over debt. I mean, they have to they have to prep the public for their mismanagement. So I think that that's what they're going to do is try to do the, the pro Project Blue Beam, fake alien stuff, and whatever they can to distract people from their dreadful leadership. Yeah, I mean, and I guess to bring it back to that uh, movie by the Obamas, what was the theme there? Some kind of cyber attack. Uh, <clears throat> I think there's been... <laughs> Right after that movie came out, wasn't there articles talking about a possible cyber attack coming down? And I mean, again, predictive programming, getting us ready for stuff that they want to happen and, and putting it out on blast. It, it, it's truly fascinating. Um, it's also a, it's also the, the thing is, is like they inverted it. It's kind of like a social engineering tract as well. Like the real owners are the African Americans, and then the white people are the one renting, right? So it kind of uh, has them in the wealthy position, and then the men are perverts, right? The men are like taking pictures of the women, and the guys having possibly having sex with his students, and they're they're you know uh, curious type people. It's it's a it, it's a good little. There's a lot of it's almost like it. white, yeah. It's like white noise. It's a Netflix kind of uh, America hate piece, is what I would say. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I've been fascinated with predictive programming. Uh, there's so many examples. I did I did a show a few months back with this uh, kid who's I say kid because I think he's only college age, but he he had a few videos go on YouTube viral, and he ended up getting twenty thousand subscribers. And he never did a podcast ever. And he did a podcast with me. He was just a creator, you know, assembling pieces together. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a great conversation. We were talking about predictive programming uh, in cartoons, talking about the towers, Twin Towers, way before they ever took that. Uh, it, it was already in the psyche, you know, using planes that these towers were going to go down. And uh, I've often mentioned the, the lone gunman. You know, the, the spinoff off the X-Files, uh, which was launched in March of 2001. So just only a few months prior to September 11th, yeah, that's crazy. where these the, the terrorist plot was to hijack these planes and crash them into these buildings. And uh, they subverted, subverted the attack and, and everyone's calling them tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists. We see these predictive programming bits quite often. Um, why? I, I, I guess for me, it's it's kind of what I was telling you earlier. It's just we're showing it off now. We don't care. You're either going to get it or you're not. And if you do get it, we don't care. We're just putting it blatantly out in your face. Right. What are your views on, on predictive programming? They've been doing it all the time. They do it all the time. So I think that... I think the, the public's just keying into it with greater accuracy now. I think it's because of the you know the growth of communication, internet communication. People can kind of figure it out and show it. But I think that there's a lot. You know, they are definitely 
priming the psyche, the psychosphere for whatever they're up to. I think that's a given. And I, I guess to, you know, to wind it down, you, I would label myself as black-pilled. <laughs> I wish I had some hope that things would get better, but I just... I see things going down the opposite direction. I don't. I don't wish it was that way. Uh, that's just from what I'm seeing, the patterns that I'm connecting. I, I unfortunately, that's where I'm at. How how do you do you see solutions to this? Do you see a happy ending? I think the solution is through kind of knowledge and understanding and kind of self government. So that's kind of the way I perceive it is making the decisions to get away from a tyrannical authoritarian system. So I think that that's kind of like what we're doing right now, taking those steps to kind of disseminate knowledge in a kind of uh, dispersed atmosphere. So I think that's really important. But yeah, I'm not positive. I don't think the people who run the government are even there. It's like the end of Rome or something where all the, the emperors are corrupt and evil. Like that's where we're at. Like you might as well be run by Caligula and Nero. Like that's the way it feels. I mean, especially if you have no, if the vote doesn't matter. And I mean, there's just so much vote ballot fraud all the time that the will of the people can't be maintained. So you're going to have people in power who don't care. Like Biden doesn't care. He doesn't worry about the vote. He doesn't care about yeah. your vote. He, they're not worried. They're going to steal it yeah. again in 2024. So once they steal it again, I think they weren't, the American people were not primed for the big steal of 2020. But I think they'll be primed for the steal this time. So once it happens, they'll know for sure that they are in a tyranny here. Yeah, I, I I tend to be of the camp that I believe these leader these leaders since Kennedy are all selected. They're not elected. Uh, that's my opinion. Um, and there's I don't believe there's any exceptions to the rule. Some people will say Trump is the exception. I don't buy into that. Uh, He's just a puppet, an outlandish puppet at that. A great figure, in my opinion, because he was great at getting followers. The people that love Trump love him, praise him, have him on a pedestal. The people that hate him think about him 24-7. So, in my opinion, he's perfect for this divide-and-conquer strategy. You're going to have people that truly hate his guts. You're going to have people that truly love him no matter what and defend him. No, that's my president. And, I mean, the, the January 6th shenanigans. It, it was complete nonsense. It was all theater. Uh, I don't know if you did, you... did you by chance get to see the video by... Uh, there was this kid that made assembled a bunch of clips... Uh, from January 6th, a lot of them never showed on the mainstream media. And he does he does a hell of a job in showing that no one died on January 6th. It was all crisis actors. It was all uh, it was all a facade. And if you so say I, that, I don't Ashley even Babbitt like didn't die either. Who? Ashley Babbitt didn't die. The video is clear. He's in one of the scenes that he shows. The shot is shot. the The dude's gun is at this angle. Her head is way down here. It, it's all nonsense. It, it's 
did you did you ever look into the Boston Marathon bombing? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, that one is David yeah. McGowan did. Uh, I have that on my Odyssey channel where no one died on that one. And, and sometimes when you say no one died, people write you off. But when you can prove it with irrefutable evidence, then it's not so crazy. The problem is getting people to actually look at this. Look, I'm not bad shit crazy. Look at this. No one died. And, and so when I say that, people are, oh, you're just a Trump lover. No, I'm not even. A, I'm probably one of the most anti-Trump people you'll ever meet. But the fact of the matter is the whole thing was shenanigans. Um, one of my friends, George Hobbs of the Fact Hunter podcast, he interviewed Jeremy Brown, who's in a Florida prison. He went to January 6th. He felt there was election fraud. A un-American patriot. He went there for a cause and he was arrested and put in prison. Ask him how he feels about Trump now. He's like, Trump never said nothing to me. Trump didn't give a shit about me. It was all a setup. And innocent people were sent to prison. Meanwhile, you have someone like Ray Epps, who's now apparently they're talking about putting his ass in prison. But you have all these knuckleheads. Nothing happened to them at all. You have this guy with, what's his name? I, I call him a crisis actor, that Jacob Chansley shaman guy. Uh, it, it, it's all nonsense Marga. from, from top Maybe to bottom. She... Wow. Yeah. That's scary. Why? Yeah, that Woo's News. I'll, I'll maybe I'll I'll send you a, a a link to that video. But watch that video. It, he he makes it in a comedy way, and and oh, it's such a serious thing. You shouldn't make joke. Well, when no one dies, you, you right. can make fun of it all you want. And he, he makes it in a funny uh, way to watch it. So I'll put it on the uh, on the link of the. Uh, in the description of this show that we're doing right now. And I'll, I'll send you the link as well, Mr. Cool. Ramsey, because it, it's, I think a lot of people know that there's a lot of feds involved in January 6th, but yeah, yeah they're covering it. Well, sure. to what scope the, oh. does it go? And that's where I think a lot of people get hung up on. They don't know if, if this, and you know what, maybe there was something to it. No. When you realize the whole thing was staged, it, it was all theater. And then you hear these hardcore lefties, which, Unfortunately, I used to be one of these clowns. Oh, it, it was worse than 9-11. It, it, it was sacrilegious. It was an insurrection. Right, right. And all the, it's like pathetic. No, it was all theater. What are you talking about? Um, but unfortunately, we have so many people on both sides ideologically captured. So whatever... The Republican Party says 100%. Whatever the Democrat, vote blue no matter who. Think about how absurd that slogan is. Vote blue no matter who. What if, what if this blue guy is a hardcore pedophile? You're going to still vote for this son of a bitch? Probably, <laughs> probably on the left, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, the, the comedic thing about the whole insurrection is the pretense, the, the joke that the Capitol building is some kind of like holy ground or something like that. It's just a den of thieves. It's a total joke. The the legislature. Well, that's that's the, the thing with January sixth. That's what my 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 buddy uh, Chris from Rankcast and he's on AM Wake Up. Uh, that's what he's he believes was January sixth was about. It was a ritual. 
because you you have all these things going in the sacred chambers. Oh, it's you crazy. have this shaman guy oh, yelling the most ridiculous shit. But it was a ritual in many ways. It was a bloodletting. And, and these are things that I use, again, kind of like MK Ultra. I used to be averse to. I, I, I was like, no, it's just too crazy. That, that, that shit doesn't happen. That, that's nonsense. That's just in movies. The more I look into these things, I'm like, holy shit, there's something to it. <laughs> so uh, I think it makes you can go, complete you can go sense watch, that J6 was, a, go was watch, a ritual. Yeah, you can go watch The Manchurian Candidate from 1963. The advisor on that movie is William Joseph Bryan. He's, so he's putting all of his knowledge into that film. You can see him playing with the cards. The symbol of the card is a post-hypnotic suggestion. It's all there. All that technical knowledge was there in 63. Gee whiz. Yeah, it's um that that's the creepiest part for me is that once you see these things, and, and like you stated not too long ago, you know, just a few minutes ago, you've been doing this for a long time. I've I've been doing it since 2019, but I've I don't I've got a tiny little audience. I'm I'm I feel lucky. I feel honored that anyone listens to my loud rambunctious buttocks rant about but um that's that that's the way i take putting these shows out is trying to wake people up and, and sometimes i put polls on my spotify asking people what was the thing that woke you up and a lot of people will say 9 11 and, and you know other things but i guess the one Uh, bright spot, the the one thing that gives me hope is when I see people saying COVID is what woke me up. Um, and then I couple that with sometimes I'll see I'll be going down. This doesn't happen as much anymore. But, you know, a few months back, I was I would get COVID vaccine ads on Facebook just randomly pop on my feed. And I would look at the reactions and the number one leading reaction was a laughing emoji. <laughs> <laughs> that made me feel great. Uh, that would those little things would give me someone that is black pilled, skeptical. Uh, that would give me a little bit of hope that people are waking up to these shenanigans. Uh, when you're seeing people laughing at vaccine ads, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely a ray of sunshine, at least for me. Um, do you see? Do you see a change? And if so, if you do see a change, maybe um, why would the people in charge allow for this to happen? Allow for people to start seeing things for what they are. I don't think they're allowing it to happen. I think that it kind of grew up around them and people got out of the cattle pen and went somewhere where they could get information like this show, right? So I think that people are just sick of being lied to or the general yeah. public. So that's why the alternative media, even bums like me who don't even have any journalistic credentials. Like I was in no, Mr. Ramsey, I mean, you, you've been in the... I, oh, I, let me just finish. You're that. an OG. You're an OG. <laughs> so... That's why there people are moving away from it. So when you see, like I would, I said that earlier in the show, 
the fact that knowledge is going out and people are kind of getting different perspectives than what they're being hammered with on a on the idiot box is the whole is the hope like that's all you can ask for because then when they tell you hey we're going to go to war with russia or hey there's another deadly marburg virus coming or the aliens are coming and you need to give half of your taxes away people will say go pound sand i mean the leadership in this country is an atrocity it's an abomination it's a catastrophe and you have to stop trusting these people they're liars they're evil so i think that that's really the 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 chief takeaway is to let people know that that's the case. And once people understand that, that they've mismanaged the money, the border, your health care, your taxes, your defense spending, your finances in the worst way possible. I mean, these people are idiots. Biden's a total idiot. So is Kamala Harris. So I think that that's the hope is like, hey, we can have to take the chance, the reins and do it ourselves in a better way. And that hopefully somebody will step up other than Trump. Or other than these people, these fictional kind of pseudo leaders in the alternate media, and actually do it themselves. That's the hope. That's my hope, and that's the hope that that's what I think is changing. That's the change we need as people. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm of the thought that what we have is just completely broken. It's been broken for decades now. Uh, we at this point, unfortunately. We would need a revolution to turn everything upside down because what we have, it's been the same crap. I mean, you go back even further in history, you see the ideological switch over and over again. I mean, you saw that when the South used to vote primarily Democrat. Now the South votes Republican. You, within my lifetime, when I was a young kid in, in the 90s, the Democrats were anti-war for free speech. You fast forward 20 years, now it's Republicans anti-war for the most part, if your name is not Nikki Haley, uh, and, and free speech for the most part, as long as it doesn't infringe upon some of your religious beliefs. But it's you see this over and over again. You know, and, and people on both sides will say, no, that switch, does, that never happens, blah, blah, blah. No, you see it. And to me, that's more evidence that there is people behind pulling the strings, uh, you know, uh, for all these puppets. Because it's just divide and conquer. That's an age-old tactic. Divide and conquer. Divide the masses. Confuse them. Get them. Feed them propaganda. And they're easier to manipulate and control. MK Ultra, <laughs> bringing it back full circle. And we are hitting that hour and a half. Uh, Mr. William Ramsey, I really appreciate it. I, I would love to have you on again. I, I felt like we could have definitely sure. gone even yeah. further. Um, could you remind people where they can find you? Yeah, you can listen to my podcast. It's in the top 0.5% podcast in the world. It's called William Ramsey Investigates. And then all my books you can find on Amazon. You can buy signed copies from my website, which is William Ramsey Investigates. And my Patreon has all five of my documentaries. All you have to do is pay five bucks a month. And you can see my uh, micro-produced documentaries on subjects like the Smiley Face Killers, Aleister Crowley, and Occult Hollywood. I'm definitely going to be checking out that Aleister Crowley. I, I've been 
I, I heard that name over and over and over again, but I've never really taken a deep dive. So I'm definitely going to be checking that one out. That one. Well, my, my first thoughts. book, Prophet of Evil, is really just a biography. So if you want to kind of get a handle on Crowley, there's a good starting point. I want to do that, and maybe I could get you back on the show, and we can we can discuss that because that that would be I've never I've never done a, a topic. That, it's so. connected to nine eleven and George Bush Senior, so I think it's important for everybody. Oh, I'm all in. Yeah, before we go, yeah, I'm in Sarasota County, and again, sorry, listeners, uh, a lot of people don't realize the connection of Sarasota to nine eleven. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Mr. Ramsey, but what what do you know about Sarasota and 9-11? That's where George Bush Jr. was, right? Or he flew to. Yeah. Wasn't he in the high school there, a little elementary school? Uh, Booker Elementary. Booker, Booker Elementary. elementary. Right, yeah. yeah. Plane, but strike, not, not only that, tower, not, get your Not books. only that, uh, the Royal Saudis that funded the alleged hijackers listed in the or i'm sorry not listed how how could i make such an error redacted in the 28 pages report lived 15 minutes away it, off of clark road in sarasota county sure and who were they funding oh muhammad atta in venice florida which is in sarasota county but Again, it's a just a coincidence. Since that George Bush Senior was right across from the Pentagon, having lunch with one of the Bin Laden members. It's, I mean, you're you're just making connections that aren't real. Come on, yeah, no conspiracy there. Not, nothing yeah. nefarious about that. It's just a coincidence. <laughs> Mister William Ramsey, I truly cheaper, enjoyed this conversation. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I hope everyone was able to. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good garnish to some appreciate it. some tidbits. Yeah, thank you so much, sir. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. See ya.